Welcome to the Coach's Box, everyone, and happy MLK Day to everyone out there. Uh, we have an episode today that we're going to talk a little bit about the conference championship matchups. We had another great weekend of football, and we have a couple more weekends left, so we got to hold on to it while it's here, because uh, the season is, ending is approaching rapidly. We're also going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, black hires in the NFL. Uh, you know, this is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and uh, it's important for us to realize that it's not just about players and personnel, uh, player personnel, but also about personnel in general uh, when we're talking about equity and equality through sports. So we'll start with the conference matchups. Uh, so Coach Natty T, we have the Packers, Lambeau Field, home field. Roger said he wanted it there, and it proved to work out for them this past weekend. Uh, but they're going to be going up against Tampa Bay. And Rodgers didn't do, do so hot against Tampa Bay. So do you think this is going to be a different narrative this time around? Uh, I think so. Um, I had the Packers winning this time as much as Tom Brady scares me because he's just the one guy in the playoffs that as much as you may not want him to win or if you don't like him, like him, he's just, he just always seems to figure out a way to get it done. But um, but I'm going to go with the Packers on this one. I, I feel like similar to what Tampa did yesterday to uh, New Orleans, I think between uh, him and Matt LaFleur, I think they'll be able to come up with a game plan uh, to kind of combat what Todd Bowles is going to do on the defense. And then I think uh, Green Bay's defense will neutralize uh, Tom Brady a little bit. Um, but ultimately, not to sound too cliche, but I think it just comes down to Aaron Rodgers that, you know, you alluded to her uh, with, with the lead in. Um, I think it's somewhat of a le legacy game for him because, I mean, like you said, he he's wanted, this is the first time he's had a NFC Championship game at home. It's the elements that he wants. You're playing against the guy that you're always being compared to. So I think there's really no excuses. You just got to get it done. Yeah, simple as that. Get the job done. Uh, Coach Jay, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I, I think that this will be, a, again, a very interesting game. I um, I think that this is another toss-up, to be honest. I know that we, we, we can see that Aaron is probably going to be the MVP this year. Um, but, again, it just depends on what team shows up. Uh, just like we talked about last week, uh, versus the the Saints and the Bucks, it depends on who shows up or which old man's arm dies out first. Drew <laughs> <laughs> Brees died out yesterday. <laughs> oh my gosh! You can say it died out in September. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it just depends. I mean, I, I guess I'm going to lean towards. I'm going to go with my heart again and go with the Bucks and make this an upset game. Um, I think that last or I guess Sunday. Uh, the the Bucks kind of showed that they can be that explosive, opportunistic team on both offense and defense. Um, Tom Brady has, when he is on, he has the arm capability to use his weapons. You didn't see much of all his weapons being used, but just having that depth of opportunity wherever he wants to throw the ball, the run game was a little better, but we know that the offense likes to pass obviously more. Um, but I think that, that that offense is probably going to 
if they're on that day, they can they can have a solid uh, turnout. Now, I'm not going to take away from Green Bay. Uh, I agree with Coach Natty T that um, you got really two great minds that are working together in, in Rogers and uh, LaFleur. Um, and, you know, what we saw on Saturday night, Rogers, he had a quiet good game and he had a supporting cast that um, kind of took the weight off of Adams pretty well. And I think that the unsung hero there was honestly the offensive line that allowed him to have that time, not to mention that you didn't have a, you know, an Aaron Donald that was healthy enough to um, kind of rush uh, Rogers out the pocket. But even if that does happen, uh, just him going out there outside of the pocket and running the ball, he makes really good decisions. Um, but uh, I guess I'm going to lean towards the upset here. Uh, there's no logic behind it. It's just sometimes. <laughs> Tom <laughs> Brady, man, he's, he's just, he's that dude, man. It's tough. Yeah, that's it. Man, Coach Pace, you going with the Bucks too, or are you rolling with the Pack? I'm rolling with the Packers. Um, honestly, just because Aaron Rodgers needs it more. And the Packers are clicking. They found multiple ways to win. Um, and I just think the MVP of the league is going to get the job done. I really don't have any clue <laughs> who's going to win. I'm just going, like, with the first thought that comes to my head, and it's really Aaron Rodgers. And I'm hoping that uh, Kenny Clark can actually push the pocket um, when Tom Brady is dropping back because he is a massive man, and he can push the pocket back. But, I mean, it remains to be seen. So, you know, I guess 51, 49, whatever you want, 50, 50.1, 49.9. I don't yeah. – <laughs> I'm going with the Packers. Yes, yes. Coach Murph. Well, I mean, throughout the playoffs, I've picked against Tom Brady both times. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's only right that I do it again. So I'm going, <laughs> I'm going with the Packers again. Uh, I'm going against Tom Brady three times the charm. Uh, I feel like um, Breeze just was doing a favor for a friend and just gave up. Down. <laughs> so, Don't say that. Yeah, because they because the Saints on all facets on like special teams and and the defense put them in prime position to win, and Breeze blew it, but. Rodgers isn't like that and I think in the back of his mind he wants to redeem himself for the first time he uh, uh, played Tom Brady in the Bucks, and now it's in his house and I'm expecting a a big game from uh, Zadarius and Preston Smith so we'll, we'll see but I'm going pack. Okay. Uh, this is another one of those heart overhead games I got in trouble Picking the Ravens this past weekend. I was <laughs> Me too. Sure, got burned. Um, I tried to like. I was going to text y'all, but like, can can we get like a break on a technicality because he didn't play the entire game? But oh, even if he did, no, they still no. lost. <laughs> I was the same boat as you, James. I was like, man, <sighs> it, it was it was it was a rough game to watch all around. Now you know, I know you know. Tucker missed some field goals that could have changed maybe some of the play calling down the stretch. Maybe made it a little bit more comfortable for Lamar to drive the team down the field, less urgency. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, and I, I think that was actually more of an indictment on Greg Roman than anyone. Because mm -hmm. the 49ers 
went to the Super Bowl, right? They had that one year where they mm-hmm. went all the way. And then after that, people started figuring Colin Kaepernick out in the mm-hmm. offense. I see that repeating with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, they're getting way too predictable in their play. Yeah. And ultimately, you have to foster the growth. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, foster the growth of your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not going to push him, then he's not going to get as better as fast as he, he could. He could. Yeah. And NFL, you can't afford to waste time like that, taking the hits and stuff. But anyways, I'm going to go with the pack on this one. Um, for the reason I, I know, I know, I I don't like, I don't like going against Tom Brady. I, I went against him last week, and but what the thing about it is, is that I felt that the Saints did what they needed to do to win that game, and Drew Brees let the team down in that sense because he was missing throws. He threw a, a horrible interception in that game. When the game got tight, he threw that interception. So I figure that it was, if you had a quarterback that capitalized on those final drives, even if it was just coming away with field goals, the Saints win that game. You know, and, and then you just look at, you put Jameis in the game and he, and he launches a beautiful oh pass and gets a touchdown. And then we don't see him <laughs> and at all. replicate that at all. Yeah. You know? So... I, I think Aaron Rodgers has the arm and the ability to make that happen. So if the game does get tight, if Bucks do gain some momentum, I think Rodgers can at least keep Brady off the field and, you know, get touchdowns, field goals, whatever is necessary. One of the things that stood out to me is that it was beautiful play calling um, on Saturday for the Packers offense. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about the pass rush of the Rams, Jalen Ramsey, uh, on Devontae Adams and all those things. And the defensive backs, you know, the secondary is talented mm-hmm. in general for the Rams. What they did is like, well, we're just going to neutralize you because the longer the route is, the better chance you have of defending us. But if mm-hmm. we're doing quick passes, mm-hmm. it's harder for you to defend that. And as Coach Pace m- mentioned in our chat, there were times where they were playing zone. And it's like, okay, we're just going to find the soft spot in the zone and have our receivers catch it. Five-yard catch turns into, you know, 9, 10, 15, 20 yards at times after run after the catch. Todd Bowles uh, a lot of times likes to bring the heat, likes to bring some pressure. I don't know if he's going to change it up for this game, but Aaron Rodgers is mobile enough to get around that, I feel. You know, he did really good on Saturday looking at – Like he did. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, there was a time where, you know, he was being rushed and he, he goes to the right drifts away then he steps back 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 in people thought they had him and he just get rid of the first down you know so like that that's very frustrating for a defense uh i so i I have the pack you know winning this one um for all the reasons you said plus what i just said i think this is probably and i say that reluctantly because (laughs) brady is is if not the best to ever do it in his position then one of the best for sure so i don't like going against him but i like to see rogers get it get it done Coach JP3, do you think this will be a shootout still, though? Potentially, yes. And shootout, if you're if you're talking about both teams getting close to 30 points in the game, then yes. I, I think it's going to be one of those games. Uh, both offenses have the capability of being explosive in any given game. I know uh, Antonio Brown – had some issues last game and got injured. We don't know what his status is going to be, if he's going to be ready 100% in time. 
but I think they'll still be explosive, explosive enough that I could see this easily being a 30-27 type of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think with the uh, – because in, in, in this stage of the game, I think with Tom, Tom's not going to turn over the ball. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, even – even in last week's game, he the Rams dropped two interceptions. Just dropped they it. They did. Right so, before halftime, I think it was. Right? Yeah. 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 So uh, I, I, I'm just hoping Aaron doesn't try to press too much because he, you know, because of last game, he may try to like press a little bit. So I just hope he just lets the game kind of come to him because that's the only potential downfall I could see him trying to like push the issue a little bit and, you know, throw an interception because. You know, Tampa seems to be good at, at baiting you a little bit. Yes. On, on the back end, because they're, like you said, they're opportunistic. So, you know, hopefully he can just let the game come to him. Because if he throws that one or two interceptions or something like that, and then Tom Brady's just going to manage it and then just keep him off the field. This dude is a classic Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he'll just keep, like, he gets with like five minutes left and then he's just going to milk the clock. And I'm like, oh, man. Hey. So, yeah, we'll see. Coach Payne, get out your uh, your frustration. I see you holding your face the whole time. He mentioned uh, those drop picks. <laughs> they had. I mean, it was there was two right there. There's two right there. I mean, I'm not. I don't know if they would have won the game, but you know, I mean that that that's a big that's, momentum shift. Uh, yeah, that's a that's that's three points off the board and momentum going into halftime. And uh, at that point, you never know what's going to happen because they're. It goes from a six. It goes from being a nine-point game potentially to a six-point game, and then you know the Rams played pretty good in the second half. I mean, they let the one deep pass or whatever, but for the most part, they played pretty well enough to win the game. So um, I don't really have any issues. It was just the drop picks that literally killed the momentum because it would have took everything away from Green Bay and brought everything towards the Rams. And then you never know. That's why you play four quarters and we still had two more. So, I mean, potentially we could have, you know, pulled off the upset. If we didn't, we didn't. But I think those were like, I mean, that that's points that changed the game. So, I mean, and didn't help um, Jared Goff. He was hurt. But, I mean, I was still happy with the, with the effort that was put forth on the oh, field. For sure. For sure. I said in the chat uh, yesterday, I, I told them, I was like, well, one, you can see how important Aaron Donald is to that defense. Oh, but, um, I told them, I was like, I don't think the round, like Sean McVay, he called a really good game and, and golf was really smart with the ball. And I felt as though if golf and Aaron Donald was 100% that the Rams would have pulled this, this win out. So it they're in an awkward situation when it, when it comes to the golf. And so I'm interested on um, their plans with them in the future, because you feel like their team is built to win. Like they're, I feel like going into the playoffs, you never, you always view them as a threat, but you never really see them as a championship team, but they're built that way. So I don't, you really can't pick out what they're missing or, or not. I feel like they it's just been unfortunate for them down. Injuries beat the hell out of them. Injuries beat the hell out of the Rams. So, I mean, it is what it is. It's the name of the game. Honestly, I would – I know you got a lot of money wrapped up in in them, but I would think about seriously moving forward. Hmm. 
like without Ooh. golf. Oh, golf? Yeah, we could have seen him. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Let's go, man. Listen, I'll trade golf and the rest of our picks for uh the draft and get Watson. Well, <laughs> like the thing is, like I, I've seen that, but like, but for who? Like that's always the hard, the hardest thing is just like, hey, we can get rid of this guy, but you kind of built this offense around him, and like he, he's not bad. Like it's I feel like it's hard to particularly point him out as the reason for losing. So, I, but. I don't think he's worth the money he has, but I mean that's on the books. So it, it's I just really think they're just, they just keep running into unfortunate situations versus him being the reason why they're losing because he's not the reason why they lost that game. He honestly did have a good game. He did. He didn't have a horrible game. It's just like I, the two drop picks. I mean. Hey, you know what they say? Good is the enemy of great. So sometimes you sometimes you need to like 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 you said, Deshaun Watson, man. I mean, who I mean, make a phone call at least. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Don't just sit yeah. there. They're, they're obviously gonna do. get rid of him because of, of Watson, because Watson just basically I'm not playing he's not happy. So yeah. like he, he's not happy. So they're 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 gonna take whatever call is out there just to see if they can make it work. Yeah. If you get a Watson or I, I'm on the fence a little bit with Matthew Stafford. I think he's better than golf, but he's not, doesn't have the upside of Deshaun Watson. But like Matthew Stafford's been one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the league, but he plays for the Lions where careers go to die. So like, I, I don't think you get to see his full potential in display, but mm-hmm. I look at it as you have a very finite window in sports. And, and so when you talk about you have invested so much money and, you know, building up your team, you have a, a, you know, a good coaching staff. I know they lost their, their defensive coordinator. Which uh, is depressing. That is depressing. That yeah. hurt. Him and his staff have done a wonderful job with that defense. But you still have the players there. So he went to uh, – Chargers. Chargers. Yeah, uh, Brandon Staley, yes. Yeah, so. Yep, that's the yeah, he's 30, 39, what, he 38, 39, young coach. Yeah. So I, when you look at it like that, I look at it at how, how many other teams can you think of? Look at Ramsey's former team. The Jaguars invested all of that. They had an outstanding defense, and they kept waiting for Blake Bortles to turn that corner. Man. He never did. Mm. He, would get, he got him to a, it was an AFC championship game. I think when um, they played the Patriots. Yeah. Classic Tom Brady. Classic Tom Brady because the Jags had the game, and Brady was like, no, nah, it's not over here. I got it. Don't worry about it. I got it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that happens. You know, you look at – um, you know, there's plenty of teams out there that have that type of, of model of like, we're waiting for this yeah. guy to turn the corner. He's given one more year and he's going to do better and we'll be okay. I think golf is in that category and I don't see the upside there. Man, I'm making the call. I don't care if we don't get him. I have to know. They have to tell me no. Yeah. Yes. I'm, Pick up the phone, man. Yeah. I'm offered. I know we don't got no first round picks for like this year and next year, but I'm gonna at least offer you know two more because that's a franchise quarterback. I could have him for another ten years. Well, I mean, what what do I got to lose? Another two first round picks for a franchise quarterback? Yeah, I can care less. Yeah. And Sean McVay can. I mean, just coming from at least from golf's perspective, being drafted by Jeff Fisher, and then you bring in McVay, and you see that turnaround. Mm-hmm. so quickly imagine what he could do with Deshaun Watson man mm-hmm. Sky yeah. 
Yeah. Well, is that's to be seen. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be some some drama going on in the NFL too. A, a nice, I think, dramatic off season with a lot of a lot of moves going on. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, for sure. so it's going to be interesting. But we do have another matchup to talk about. Uh, so on the AFC side, we have Kansas City took care of business against Cleveland. Very close game. I don't think Cleveland had anything to be. I don't think the players, like especially Baker Mayfield, had anything to be ashamed of. I think they, you know, they they had it close. Um, but I know Coach Natty T is happy that Cleveland didn't win. Oh my gosh! That's what I was like, no, 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 no. no. As soon as Mahomes went down, I think everybody's like, oh no. <laughs> Anything is possible, man. Anything is possible. I was like, I don't even live in Ohio no more, and I was like, I don't even want to hear it. The chance. <laughs> This Stefanski low key make me not like I I almost called for his job yesterday <laughs> because it's one thing for the players to lose the game, mm-hmm. but it's a whole nother thing when you got to look at the coaching staff and you look at them like y'all know y'all lost that game right because mm-hmm. everybody on the team played well enough to win yes and then you look at the play calling and you like y'all know y'all effed up right yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Even the defense, like they, everybody thought the defense was going to get torched. Nah, they was hanging in there. Yeah, no, they did really well. I mean, you hold the Chiefs to twenty-two points. Like you give yourself a chance to win when you when you could do that. I, I think they the refs blew the call. Um, I think that was a targeting by definition of the rule. Like for, so, few football purists may not like it, but the letter of the law, he did leave with his helmet uh, before Higgins lost the ball out of the end zone and. Then there was a whole discrepancy of like, why is that a, a rule anyway about losing the ball through the end zone? That's yeah. a harsh punishment. Like, yeah. if well, that's moved, why they said don't extend the ball because it's, yeah. it's a dumb rule. So, so there's there's a lot of things. Yeah, I know. Like the the McCourty twins were like basically like, hey, I can hear Coach Belichick's voice right now. Like, don't extend the ball over the goal line. Just, wow. Yeah, uh, but Des Bryant found that out. Des Bryant. You know what we talk about. Yes. So Derek Carr, everything <laughs> he tweeted yeah. out and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I agree with Coach Pace that the play calling was definitely mediocre. And when you're when you're in the playoffs, you can't get away with that, especially against the defending Super Bowl champs. Like you're just not going to be able to to get your team over the top. But there's a lot of Baker Mayfield flat going into the season and even throughout the season. I think he held it down pretty well. Um, so he, he, he did, did his job. I think Chubb only got 13 touches in the game. Crack. Got any touches at all? Like, so what, what's going on with that? Well, for, I don't want everybody. <laughs> Stefanski is trash, man. Like, <laughs> you, there's no way in hell that it's somebody's first time playing their former team and he gets like six touches. Like, that's nuts to me. And the fact that both of your backs were averaging over five yards per carry and you only run the ball 19 times with them 20 when you count the QB sneak by Baker that's nuts to me and I don't want to just put all the blame on uh, Kevin Stefanski because also the OC uh, Alex Van Pelt he's trash as well (laughs) (laughs) like like y'all's game plan you're everybody did great like you had multiple opportunities to win the game and the coaches blow it for you. Like if I'm the players and the defensive coordinator, I'm looking, I'm giving them a side eye. Like, like, what are y'all doing? Mm-hmm. 
like this is like you said th these are the defending champs and everybody I don't know if y'all saw like Baker Mayfield's hype video before the game of like all the clips of everybody counting them out saying how they're about to get dusted and so on and so forth and then they come out and and play like that now, now that video don't even matter, man. He ain't getting no likes on that anymore. <laughs> it was so cool. It was. I'm I'm highly disappointed in that and and Stefanski and Pelt like that. I think they panicked. Mm -hmm. I think when when they saw crazy as it might sound, I think when Mahomes went down, I think they kind of panicked a little bit as well. I think the I don't they know why. Because I think that's they, a weird dynamic. It is, but I, I from from what I saw, it looked like when Mahomes went down, they're like, "Oh shoot, like we can actually win this game." But that's why I think, from the Browns' standpoint, it, it's hard to overcome that culture. It's hard to overcome that mindset of we're the Browns. As much as you can say it, but when you're in those positions, like you should have won that game yesterday. Yeah. Point blank and period. Especially with Mahomes going down. Now, me personally, I think if Mahomes would have kept playing. I think they probably would have scored at least another field goal or another touchdown, and it would have been like 25 or 26 to 10 maybe. Mm -hmm. But, again, I mean, when he goes down, you can't, like, as much as I didn't want him to, but I'm like, you you got to take advantage of that. Like, there's – and to the play calling argument as well, like, you have to know Spagnuolo is going to send a blitz twice. Mm -hmm. Like, you know he's going to come at it. So like the the because the because he had the one first down with the QB sneak and then that was it. Mm -hmm. It's like you know they're coming with the house on those next couple plays because I mean that's it. Mm -hmm. And you should have had just like a little quick out pass or like a screen pass just to relieve the pressure off and then keep the drive going. But oh, they had they the showed. screen pass. The problem was who it was thrown to. Oh, well, that's yeah, true. I forgot. I forgot to chew. Uh, <laughs> to chew yeah. chum out. Like, why are you still drawing up screens for him and he already dropped the ball three times? Like, that makes no sense to me. And then the fact that you have Kareem Hunt, who who can actually catch. Yeah, he can catch and great with open space. Like, why are you still drawing up plays for him? Like, after he dropped the second one, I'm like, all right, bro, you're, you're done. Get Hunt out there for these screens or these short passes because apparently your hand didn't show up today. He needed that Jerry Rice stick on that game. But like he, <laughs> like he, I don't know what what was up with Chubb. It's hard to be mad at Chubb. Like even though that it's his fault that he didn't catch it, uh, wasn't catching those passes. But like it, that goes to how bad the offensive play calling was to adjusting to that. Like okay, you're not catching the ball. You have a second premier back that can get him the ball. I mean, Chubb was like turning the yards away too. That's what I didn't understand. I'm like, well, yeah, they went away from running. How can you catch the ball? But he's still running for about eight to ten yards. Yeah, yeah that's why I wasn't bad at him. I half, so it was just like, okay, well, you can either run it, you'll run it with Chubb, but you can also run it and throw it with Kareem. So you still got the leeway of having two elite backs. It's just one's hands isn't working today. Because I think one of the big things is a lot of personnel adjustments are sometimes because, hey, the ball's going to go directly to this person. I think there's times where people on the field were like, okay, we know exactly what's going to happen. But there's other times it's given the illusion just so the defense has to think twice before they commit to something. Mm -hmm. There's been packages where both running backs have been on the field at the same time. Mm -hmm. I really didn't see that yesterday. 
So now it's like, yeah, and I agree with you. You don't have to completely take the ball out of Chubb's hands. It's not like he fumbled. He just couldn't catch the ball today. You know, it it wasn't his day. But yeah, hand the rock to him. Kareem Hunt can do his thing. And, and I think this is like, no one expected you to be here. You just got to leave it all on the field. You have an opportunity to win the game, like a legit chance of winning this game. Whatever play calling you got, whatever tricks in the bag you got, bring them out. This is the time because you're going home after this if you lose. Like Kansas City, because like, Kansas City was calling plays like how the Browns should have been calling plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's the difference too. So this, I think this is strange coming from a Steelers fan, but Browns, <laughs> Browns fans, you guys really are, I think, in a place where you should be proud. I, I think that it's, it's easy to say these things as far as having your mind, you know, ready to attack now that Mahomes is down and you had opportunities. And yes, that's true. But the Browns have not had this type of opportunity, this stage in so long. It's almost it's almost like a little harsh to expect them to be right and ready to make those play calls in the mindset of playoffs. That's that's a whole nother level. I think that the Chiefs, you just mentioned, they were making plays that the Browns should have been making because the Chiefs are used to doing this year after year. This is this is something that they're comfortable with. You got a new set of, I don't know, head coaching staff and offensive uh, mentality and everything is newer for the Browns. And so I don't expect them to have that just yet. I mean, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to say that you should settle either and just be happy that you made it into the playoffs. But I think that I think that the expectation for them to step up like that might just be a little much just because this is still something that they are, you know, new to. Now go ahead and chew me out. I was no, I, I agree with you, but <laughs> yeah. I just think if Mahomes goes down and Chad Henney's in there and then Spell he throws that horrible interception, yeah. like you have like if yeah. you can't win under that scenario, when are you gonna win? Now there's another thing that the the, the Chiefs okay, so uh, Price Lock and I play in the same fantasy league and I picked up the Chiefs defense and we both were thinking, you know, this team is, this defense looks overrated, but honestly, I think we're not giving them the credit that they do deserve. The Chiefs defense actually did step up and hold off. Yeah, there wasn't, you know, the best play calls on the offense, but they still held off the Browns from really doing anything in that latter half of the game. I think they deserve a little more credit, maybe even Tyron Matthews for, you know, stepping in and making that interception. Yeah, I'm with you on that one because honestly, I feel as though that like I I love what Baker said after the game, how he said like, hey, we're you know we're not feeling defeated or anything, but like this is our new norm. Like people have been counting us out. Like we're, we're the Browns. We we're the butt end of every joke along with the NFC East. But that's another story. But because uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like now that it was kind of odd seeing them there. And then like, I mean, I was low key rooting for them. Like it, it would be cool to see a win. Like I, I just feel bad for, for the, you know, the Browns fans, but um, I think they, I done... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, cause, cause you were an Ohio fraud. That's what it is. Oh, okay. I would, I would gladly give my Ohio like birth certificate, all that back. Oh my gosh. What? I would gladly. 
That's another episode. Daddy, but... don't do that. <laughs> oh, I'll gladly. That's not an insult to me at all. Like, please, oh, if that could be possible, please make that we're happen. Losing, we're losing subscribers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, um, you're probably gaining some. They could just hate <laughs> Every show needs someone to hate. And if Ohio people, fans can hate Coach Natty T, then I think that's great for us. <laughs> I'm, that. I'm not going to see y'all anywhere. I don't, I don't live in Ohio no more, so it don't matter. I'm gonna invite you back here on purpose. <laughs> James will tell you about the uh, the in person one we're supposed to do here in Ohio. Yeah, we want to do one in person <laughs> soon. Uh, you know, I have a couple of buddies that are photographers and videographers, and so you know, when when things get a little bit better around here, definitely gonna do some in person episodes because I think yeah. that, that would just add to everything. So. Yeah, so watch what you say. That's what he's saying. <laughs> we're going to fly you out, Natty. We're going to fly you out so you can come in and do a show in person. Like, sorry, I'm going to say, say what I want. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to say what I want. Coach Pace, did you want to say something before we move forward? Yeah, I was just going to say real quick. Um, I guess, I mean, I would be happy. Um, but the thing is, it wasn't on the people that were, like, nobody. it was nobody's fault. Um, that was on the field and that's the hard pill to swallow like it's okay if like Higgins mistake cost him the game but I don't feel like Higgins mistake cost him the game I feel like the coaching cost him the game because the players played hard enough and well enough to win and while saying like Baker had a good game Chubb had a good game granted he dropped a couple passes whatever crap happens defense played outstanding even with Miles Garrett being hurt he came in there and did his thing got a sack in a crucial time I feel like the players left it all on the field. And I feel like the coaching staff let the whole state, I wouldn't say of Ohio down, but they at least let Cleveland down and Cleveland Browns fans, because I don't think they left it all on the field. And that would be a hard pill for me to swallow if I was a Browns fan. Cause I'd be like, Hey, like my Rams, like I'm cool with whatever. Cause I know the Rams play hard. They dropped the picks, whatever. Coaches play great. Players play great, but with the Browns, it's like they had the opportunity and the coaches really let them down, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I I feel like that will make more sense if Stefanski had a lot more experience, like if he was experienced in the playoffs, because, like, yeah, there was partial. Um, well, he had bad calls down the stretch, but also he was going against one of the best in Andy Reid. Uh, but like if it was his, you know, third, second time in this position, then I will really, I think it'll make it tougher to swallow versus this time around. Cause this is what the first time he had to call, is this his first time in the playoffs? Like Stefanski in like a role of importance. So, I mean, we, we give players the benefit of doubt, just how you said like, okay, if it was Higgins, that did it like, Hey, you know, learn for next time i think it should be one of those experiences i don't think they should like give up hope oh no i give up hope i feel like stefanski because he brought him back into the game yeah uh, in the second half so like once mahomes goes down what does that change you still run the football you still you know use cream hunt in the proper manner defense is fine it's just what he's saying is like they panic i'm like bro why are you panicking you're not supposed to be here anyway. It doesn't change the fact that, you know, you got to run the football, period. That's what you rely on. Yeah. 20, 
20 carries isn't going to be enough. You should have ran it 30 times at least. And how you decipher the carries, I don't really care, but you still should have ran the ball 30 times, regardless of how Pat Mahomes goes down or anybody goes down. You still run the football and do what got you there. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, Coach Jay was saying, get in your own head. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll. <laughs> Carroll gets in his own head all the time. Saying, panic. That's what I'm saying. They got in their own head, man. As Sean McVay did in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, mm-hmm. I think he got in his own head there. And he admitted that publicly, too. And he said, we'll he get you there. Yeah, you get caught up in him going against Belichick, and then you're in your head. That, that's all happens. That's exactly yeah. how it happens. Well, Kansas City did make it through. Uh, Mahomes looks like he's going to be okay for the next game. Uh, I think we can fully expect him to play uh, this weekend. But they'll be playing another high-powered offense in the Buffalo Bills. Can you believe we are saying the Buffalo Bills are in the AFC Championship game? What is this, like 1993? Like, what what is going on? A team that hasn't made it this far really since then, since the Jim Kelly era and Marv Levy era. Uh, They they look good against the Ravens. They didn't look invincible, but they, they don't beat themselves a lot. You know, and, and so I think that that speaks to, you know, good coaching, solid coaching staff, solid discipline play on the team. They really uh, contained Lamar Jackson this past weekend in a way where he was fr- visibly frustrated because he couldn't break the pocket. I didn't think they were going to be able to do that, um, but they definitely they definitely proved me wrong on that front and were able to do so. Do you think that and we'll, we'll go in reverse order, we'll start with Coach Murph. Do you think that the defending champions have their hands full um, and, and they're going to lose, or they think they're you're just going to be a, a shootout and, and the Chiefs will still pull it out? Um, the, uh, both of these these conference games are hard to call to me. Um, I'm I'm going with the Bills. Um, I'm going against the Chiefs this this go round. It's not seeing. I watched the the Mahomes concussion over and over probably like 20 plus times and it doesn't look bad so I don't think that'll be that'll affect so much in the game but he did look like he uh, had like turf toe or something there was something wrong with his left toe and you could see that whenever he had to pass to the left or even like when with his running and stuff and I feel as though that if they pressure him enough and force him to move around more than he wants to that can play uh, in their favor. And honestly, in these last stretch of games since like, well, probably like week 12 or whatever, the Chiefs hasn't been looking the the greatest. Like they've been looking really beatable. And I feel like uh, the Bills are the perfect dark horse to take advantage of that and possibly pull out a, a dub. So. Okay. Okay. Coach Pace, who you got in this one? You listen, unless Patrick Mahomes is on his deathbed, I'm picking the Chiefs. <laughs> okay. Cause the, um, the Chiefs defense, they're playing really great football right now. I mean, and they're offsetting a lot of what granted Mahomes, he's not looking the greatest right now, but we say that now, and he can easily throw for 350 and four touchdowns on Sunday, and we'd be sitting here like, well, I mean, it is Patrick. I mean, what do you say? So, um, and they're playing an arrowhead, I think. Aren't they playing an arrowhead? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they playing an arrowhead with fans? Yeah, it's going to get – it's about that time. The only thing I will say about the Bills, 
his defense travels. Um, so, you know, they can limit Patrick Mahomes. I still think it's going to be like a mid-20s. To, if it gets in the 30s, I'm not going to lie to you. I have Mahomes and them winning. Um, but if it stays relatively in the 20s, it's going to be a nice little chippy game, which is what I need to see. But unless Patrick Mahomes is on his deathbed, I'm not betting against him. Unless he's going against Tom Brady. Then, then we have an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coach Jay. Yeah, uh, that's interesting that you said that, Pace. I, I totally agree. Sorry, Coach Pace. Uh, I agree that the defense is going to travel with with the Bills, but I'm still going with the Chiefs. <laughs> I love – I'll start with the, with the Bills. I love their defense. I've enjoyed watching that defense start to mature and strengthen up for the past, I don't know, three years. Ever since they've gotten uh, Tremaine Edmonds, ever since he's been on their team – I'd love to see how they've developed their linebackers, their linemen, their corners, their safeties. And I think that that's a, a big hump that the Chiefs are going to have to learn how to get over. I agree with Coach Murph that uh, the Chiefs have seen have been seen vulnerable at times and not as invincible as we've seen them in previous seasons. Um, and that's something that they're going to have to get over. And with Andy Reid, you got a great offensive coordinator. Obviously, you got the face of the franchise, and then two of the best receivers <laughs> in the league, I, I think they can get over that hump. Um, it's just this is a real challenge where can they be real human beings and have kinks in their armors but still find a way to outsmart that defense, outcoach that defense, and be physical or, or finesse the defense better than, you know, uh, than the Bills defense can stand. Now, on the other side, um, the Bills offense is also going to be something I think is, is, is going to be a challenge against the Kansas City's defense. Um, the Chiefs defense isn't, I wouldn't say top five, I'd say somewhere in like eight, nine, top 10, somewhere around there. Um, but the Bills can, I, I think they can get hot and on fire just as quickly as uh, Mahomes offense. Um, but I think the difference maker is that the Chiefs are at home um, and these two teams, they are kind of lacking on the run game. Uh, you might get a little bit more runs, I'd say, with the Chiefs than you would with the Bills. Um, but I think that the Chiefs are going to edge them out, edge out the Bills. I think it'll be a close one. It'll kind of look just like we saw with um, uh, with the uh, Saints and with the uh, uh, Bucks, where they was tied all the way up into the fourth quarter. I'm expecting kind of the same thing. And um, I would anticipate somewhere in the 20s where they're both kind of like 28, 24, 21, somewhere around there. Um, but, yeah, I see the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl yet again. Okay. So we have Bills, Chiefs, Chiefs. Coach Natty T, what about you? I got the Chiefs. Uh, I respect the Bills as far as getting to the championship game. But even though they beat the Ravens, I saw – I think there's some things that Kansas City's defense is going to take away from what the Ravens did because they only scored – technically, they only scored 10 points, the offense. Mm -hmm. And it was Lamar Jackson that gave them seven. Mm -hmm. um, so, I think the Chiefs will kind of – will be able to see what uh, – do some of the things that the, the Ravens were able to do because um, uh, Diggs didn't really have – that he only had like an okay game to me. Um, 
But less of the turf toe, to Coach Murph's point, I, I'm more worried about the toe more so than the concussion. Because to me, it looked like it looked like he just stood up too fast. It's kind of like in boxing, like if you get knocked out, they usually tell you to just stay down and breathe for a little bit and then get up. Because mm-hmm. if you get up too early, like that's how you get woozy. So I'm not too concerned about the concussion. I'm more concerned about the, the toe. Um, but the other thing that I think is a little concerning with the Bills, even though they beat the Ravens, the Ravens still had, I think it was 150 yards rushing altogether as a team. Um, and it, when you look at when they played the last time, Mahomes didn't really do too anything extravagant. They really just ran the ball down the Bills' throats. Mm-hmm. So I think the Bills, it's going to be tough. Um, I think they're going to be put in a tough situation because knowing Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, I think they're going to give them a good dose of the run and then, you know, mix it up with the pass as well. And you're just going to be kind of caught in no man's land. Mm-hmm. So I think it will be close through maybe even the first half. Um, you know, maybe it'd be, could be like a, you know, 10 to three or a 13 to 10 or something like that. And then I expect the Chiefs to kind of break away towards, you know, third or fourth quarter. So that's that's kind of what I expect to see. But um, but you know, Josh Allen, I mean, Whew. talk it's about improvement. Bit. Yeah, I mean, that's that's <laughs> oh talk about fostering, you know, your quarterback. I mean, yes. they're they're really doing a tremendous job. And I think, I mean, right now, whew, I mean, you gotta see them sticking around and you know, I don't know if they'll replicate what the Bills did in the 90s, but, I, you know, this is not the first time. I mean, this won't be the last time I expect to see them in the championship game. So they, oh, they yeah. really have, you know, something going. But really? I just think, and just to go even a little bit more, I think the, the other X factor is, is the coaching staff with Andy Reid. Because, you know, to, your, to y'all's point earlier with, with Kansas City defense, I, they're not ranked very high, but I think they're, they scheme very well. And they're, they seem to be very prepared. They, they always prepare for the other team. So even though they're not like this extravagant defense, besides Tyron Matthew, I mean, really, um, they, they really seem to prepare and scheme properly for each team that they play on both sides of the ball. So I think that's really the X factor as well yeah. in this game. So I, I just think they, they just know how to prepare for another team. So that's why I got the Chiefs. Okay. This – I'm probably gonna go 0-2 this weekend. Okay, so uh, <laughs> no, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs too because, uh, I mean, it would be nice to see the Bills move forward just because they haven't been at that stage on time. I, I respect their fans because their fans have been loyal. Lamar Jackson, as you know, got knocked out of the game. They were Bills fans waiting for him after the game to um, have autographs signed by the opposing quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the Bills Mafia, the, their, their uh, fan group, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for Lamar Jackson's charity back in Louisville. So, like, I just have a lot of respect for organizations that, you know, and, and fans that do that. But I think these teams are mere images of each other. Mm. Uh, you have a quarterback. You have quarterbacks on each side that can make great throws and that are mm-hmm. mobile. Uh, you have a right receiver on each team that is virtually unstoppable uh, in Diggs and Hill. I think Kelsey is one of the the pieces that the Bills don't have 
-hmm. their side is that other safety valve that a quarterback can lean on that can get themselves mm -hmm. open at any given time. Uh, so that's, that's one of the other reasons why I give an edge to Kansas City. Uh, both of the defenses are, as you all said, technically sound and make plays um, and play hard. To Coach Natty T's point, I also go on, do I trust Sean McDermott more or Andy Reid and his staff? I'm probably going to go with Andy Reid and his staff. That sticks out to me. So you have Travis Kelsey as, a, as an advantage. You have the coaching staff. Uh, and then also when games get tight and this game might be like that, uh, who has the better kicker? Who can you trust to kind of close it out? Um, Bucker's not perfect, but man, he's, he's, he's sure close to it. Mm -hmm. And we saw that, he, the, you know, stuff can get the best of people. You know, we saw, you know, Tucker, usually mm -hmm. automatic. So there was some win elements there too um, that may not present itself here uh, in, Arrow, in, in Arrowhead, but I think they have the better kicker of the team. So they have the, they have one and they both don't really have strong running games either. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so like, but they have Kelsey, they have Reed and they have the better kicker. So I, I think percentage wise, it would go to Kansas city. So I'm gonna go Kansas city um, on this one, but yeah, the bills may yeah, be in alone. It's all right. <laughs> you were alone on a couple picks. Uh, yeah. The first playoff round. You ready? I, I, I won one now. That's all. Yeah. Paid off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's kind of. I'm hoping the weather is somewhat decent. Um, because I would like to see an air attack game. Because you know, for the past couple of years, these are the two quarterbacks that they say that have the strongest arm. So, mm -hmm. um, it'll be nice to see them go uh, shot for shot downfield. But I, I doubt it will be that kind of weather in Kansas City on Sunday. So. Yeah. I mean, if if the Packers and Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, it's, it's a State Farm Super Bowl. State Farm Bowl. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. That'd be cool to see that too. Um, State Farm Bowl. Yeah. yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see, because yeah, it's weird. It's been kind of weird with Kansas City to to your own point, because I think they're not they haven't been as explosive, but at the same time, I kind of fear them a bit more mm. because usually teams like that, like, because they kind of reminded me of uh, the Rams back in the day, the Greatest Show on Turf. They would just like just blow people out, but when it was like kind of like a tight game and adversity hit, they couldn't figure out a way to kind of win the game. Mm. Whereas the Chiefs, they haven't been, you know, looking like how they've looked in Patrick Mahomes' first two years. But mm. to me, the fact that they keep finding a way to win the game mm. to me, you're actually more dangerous because. Mm. When it clicks, it clicks. And then when, you know, things break down, they still have the confidence to kind of find a way to win. So, yeah. I man, I don't know. It's just tough. It's, it just, man. You know what? Another thing that wasn't really mentioned that I just thought of, I'm excited to see what both of these teams' special teams are going to look like. They both have solid returners, and yeah. that could change the field length that these offenses has to go. I'm looking forward to seeing that, you know, and uh, speaking on special teams, I was really surprised. Uh, Coach JP3, you talked about the Ravens and the kicking and whatnot. The Ravens definitely kicked themselves in the butt there. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to see how well Butker is going to, if he's really going to need to be a factor. I mean, I, I still stand by the Bills defense. If they're going to need to get like four solid 40 plus yard field goals from this guy or not. I'm really interested in seeing how the special teams might be a factor in this game. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And last note before we move on to our, our last topic here, I um, so Darrell Williams ran the ball well yesterday. Uh, and so we talked about they really don't have premier running games either mm-hmm. team, but Williams was effective. Like mm-hmm. I think it's it's not always quantity of yards, but quality of yards. So if I can get if I can hand it off and I still can get you know four to five yards a carry, I don't need you to get me a hundred yards throughout the course of the game because we got a we got a dangerous you know quarterback receiver tight end and everything like that I could take care of some of the yardage. Mm-hmm. But if you know if it's third and short, can I hand it to somebody? Yeah. And it was it was good enough that it made people hesitate when Mahomes would roll out, you know, and the play he got hurt on, you know. So like, if I don't respect the running back, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna veer as far out toward him. I'm just gonna be like, okay, Mahomes is probably gonna be you. I'm a, I'm gonna contain you before I contain this running back. Williams did a good enough job where it's like I gotta stay back because he can break one loose, and you know, so that I think that could become a benefactor in the game because you have Moss and Singletary on the other side. And I don't think the defenses fear any of them. I don't think the Chiefs defense fear any of their backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but with Williams, if you get Bell involved, I, I, yeah. That's what Kansas I, City, because Kansas City's like running offense is like their defense. Like they're effective when they need to be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're not ranked very high, but like when they need a, a run, like they somehow just, they get it. They get it. It's like, yeah. man. Because you're like, oh, you know, the running back only got 50 yards in this game. Yeah. He got it on – he got it on four touches? No, but even, run. like, even in the Super Bowl last year with San Francisco, because Williams had – he had over 100 yards. Like, yeah. Like, quietly. So, yeah. you know, it's just like, man. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. Um, our last topic is, um, you know, Coach Pace brought this up on the last show. Uh, and I think it's fitting that we do it on MLK Day, uh, as well as we look at, we talked about black quarterbacks on this show, uh, in particular, uh, OSU quarterbacks. And so we had a whole segment about that. Um, but there are, um, you know, other black quarterbacks that are coming out of different uh, colleges and going through NFL systems. And it's not, it's seemingly not working out in some instances, or the organization isn't fostering their development. Um and then you have coaches in front office. Mm-hmm. So we've had 14 vacancies. And I believe out of those 14, 10 of them have been filled already uh, in this offseason. And we got one coach of color, uh, Robert Sala with the, with the Jets. Uh, and so, you know, the jury still, we still have uh, Jags GM and Washington football team GM stuff. I, I know they're gonna make some changes there. They're looking to make some changes. And for head coaching, is the is it the um, Eagles and Texans still looking for head coaches? So there's still some opportunities, but just looking at um, some of the names that are coming out here. So just just for reference, uh, GM Panthers is Scott Fitter, uh, Texans is Nat Cas- Nick Casario, Lions uh, hire Brad Holmes, Broncos George Patton or Patton. I'm not sure. Sorry if I butchered your name. Falcons <laughs> is Terry Fontenot uh, is expected to be. Their GM, and then for head coach, we mentioned Robert Sala, um, first Muslim head coach. So that's that's cool, you know. Uh, Jags, Urban Meyer. Uh, is that's another thing. You're bringing coaches from college before you are considering NFL talent, you know. So like just just saying, uh, Falcons, Ar- Arthur Smith. Um, when you have Raheem Morris as your interim head coach, and yeah, I don't know, 
Uh, Chargers, Brandon Staley. Uh, Lions, Dan Campbell is expected. Is there any stuff that Eagles and Texans? So, uh, you know, Coach Pace, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Would you mind kind of just like telling us your thoughts on this? You know, uh, the development of black quarterback, the lack of diversity within um, organizations, you know, what, what are you noticing right now? And how do, how do you feel about it? Um, so with the development of coaches, I'm going to just be bold face 100 with you. Um, I think, and this is not, you know, to dive into racism or anything like that, but I truly believe white people only feel like helping white people. Like it's one of them. They will only pull a white person up. Granted, you see, um, and Stephen A pointed this out today. Um, Bruce Arians, all his assistants, he has four black assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Bowles, I think the it's a couple of others. I don't remember who he was saying, but like all his assistants, the assistant coach, his assistant coach, black. He has four guys that are, you know, in prominent roles that are doing a thing, and guess where they are? Going to the NFC championship game. So I think that is a good look um for Bruce Arians for sure. Um, but the dynamic for me really is why is it so hard we can't even get an interview forget forget all of you know why aren't they being hired why aren't they this why aren't they that we don't even get interviewed they had to institute a rule for a black man to get an interview like that says it all and i'm just trying to understand like why why um i feel like we have a shorter leash because todd bowles is a great coach um he was dealing with the Jets. I mean, the Jets aren't a good franchise. Let's just call it. And Adam Gates was allowed multiple, multiple chances. Okay. He showed up high. <laughs> showed up high to a press conference and still kept his job. Like, come on, man. There's not a lot of people that can get away with some of the stuff that we see. You got the dude in Houston. I'm going to tell you right now, nobody in their right mind is going to Houston. <laughs> so, that's a hard job to take. That's not a nobody in their right mind is going to Houston. They they might mess around and not have a coach at the start of the season, or they're going <laughs> to college coach that comes in there like, oh, I think I can turn the franchise around, but you don't have any players. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, you said ten coaching vacancies have been well, ten out of fourteen have been filled. Mm-hmm. Salah, glad that he's a coach. I'm all for it but he's not black. Let's just, he's a person of color, but he's not black. Like I, I'm happy for him, but he's not black period. And just for seeing EB, um, Eric B enemy, I'll just call him EB at this point. Cause we all know who he is for him to be struggling to even remotely get a job right now is baffling in itself. So that whole coaching, I just think like at the end of the day, white people only want to hire white people. Unfortunately, Cause they're old. Most of the owners are older white men, and you know they have that mindset. We see it in politics and everything else. They have that mindset of, well, you know that old school way of thinking. We're not going to hire X, Y, and Z. Um, we're only going to give them a little. So, like, you know, they came out with the Rooney Rule. I feel like that was just to get people to shut up, but they really weren't going to do it. They're not going to tell you. I think it was just a basically a show um so that's my thing with the coaching and you guys can chime in but i just think it's never gonna be what it should be 
until some progressive people get into places of power. So that's just me. Actually, actually, Coach Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, man. I think to answer your question, uh, Coach Pace, where, when is it going to change or how is it going to change? You're right. It has to start with the owners. Um, they're the ones in the end that are the, the voice of the team. And I would also say uh, maybe even the NFL can step in. Maybe, you know, we've seen uh, the – the awareness that the NFL has made to the public for black lives and justice. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the NFL office and Roger Goodell um, speaking out about that, but I think they can take another step. I think they still have not corrected the misstep with um, um, uh, Kaepernick. I still think that hasn't been corrected. It's, 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 I, I personally feel like this is something that we wanna help for the world and we being the NFL wants to help with the world and maybe look good. But if we really mean it in the NFL, why aren't we doing it too? You know, the Dan Rooney um, or uh, the Rooney rule, I can't remember if it's Dan Rooney, I should know it because he was the owner of the Steelers. Anywho, the Rooney rule uh, is, is, is very great. And there are teams that live by that. But I was doing some research and there's still, I don't know, six or seven teams that have never had an NFL GM or uh, coach that is an African-American. Um, and those teams, they don't all live by the same rules as the ones that agree with the Rooney rule or not. I think it comes with conversations with, you know, the Players Association, uh, you know, those folks that really are looking to bring in people that can do the job just as well. Um, that don't have to always be white. Um, and then this is an issue not only within the, the owners and maybe a little help with the NFL itself, but then around the world. You have um, you know, fans of all kinds of different teams that are represented with different color. Uh, but I think, that, I think that we, the fans, the media, everybody's speaking up about it. You know, if we're the ones that are in front of this and speaking up about this, I would hope that that pressures those that have the power to reject or accept an interview. Um, I would hope that it, it gets them to think that way. So there's, I, I, I think that there's several actors in this space that have to just keep happening and it's not gonna be solved in five years, 10 years. It's gonna honestly be a continual battle. We've been fighting this thing for years, let alone for us to have a voice, for us to vote, for us to finally get MLK Day as a PTO holiday pay day where we can observe that day. So I think it's still going to be a battle. We all have to just keep on, um, you know, contributing towards getting where we want to be. I'll say, Coach Murph. Um, I, I agree with a lot of y'all's points. The, the glaring problem with the NFL uh, when it comes to uh, minorities, uh, and specifically Blacks that are African-Americans, is that I feel as though that they have some type of problem with uh, African-Americans in higher positions. And I don't know where that stems from, because like when we uh, brought this conversation up uh, and then uh, Coach Pace brought up the players, and I was like, well, I mean, there's even coaches that are getting undermined, and you created this rule. And then 
I'm gonna just show you like two comparisons. So with um, the kneeling and then even with the George Floyd thing that happened uh, during the NBA and the bubble, and you see how Adam Silver and the players and all of them react. You see the kneeling with Kaepernick. There's no way an organization that is predominantly black that makes your money, I, I believe almost 70% of NFL players are black. How is the head, Roger Goodell, and like all the owners and stuff move uncomfortably as if like you're unfamiliar with who your staff is? Like that makes no sense to me. So I feel as though that it's just, there's just so many of them in power and they see that nothing has changed and they, they care about their money, of course. And it's just more so like, um, okay, they can keep, you know, complaining and stuff, but I mean, people are still going to watch. Um, I just think that they don't care enough because they it's not affecting them enough. Um, so it's kind of hard seeing a change happen. Um, I think it will have to start with Roger Goodell. Um, and that's it. I think it, it, it always has to come from the head like that. Kaepernick situation and you see how NBA uh, handled their uh, situation even with the the Sterling thing I mean they were always it's like they always had an answer and it was always the felt like the right answer the best thing to do where Roger Goodell he just trips over his feet a lot and I feel like he I feel like the owners of these teams kind of viewed him as a pushover like he's just going to do with the majority of them want to do. And since none of them are truly effective at what we have to go through, they don't, they don't care. Coach Natty T. Well, <laughs> I agree with everything that was been said and I'm laughing Coach JV3 because we had this conversation on our last show. So I'll go even deeper again. <laughs> um, sports is a dichotomy of America. Mm. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, Nothing is going to change wow. because the owners run the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's how it is. And the reason why, and I'll bring basketball into it because we talked about it on, on Friday's show. The reason why the NFL is so popular in the United States because it mirrors how America wow. is. Mm. It has the power structure. The NBA isn't as popular in the United States because most Americans, I'll say white Americans, the majority of the, the demographic in this country, they don't like to see black men, young black men have more power because the NBA is a player's league. Mm -hmm. They don't like seeing that. But the NFL is about the shield. It's about the structure. It's about the power. So it's not going to change, unfortunately. The only way, the only way it can change is if you have more diversity in those power positions and it's not going to happen because even to your all's point i'll even piggyback off of that right so they don't even interview a lot of these black guys right why is that but yet sean mcveigh uh what's his name uh arizona's coach kingsbury uh, kingsbury yeah whatever because you notice because you notice how they they love to move the goalposts on when it comes to black people, right? So 
at the beginning of time, the beginning of sports, no black people was playing. Oh, we're not playing with y'all. Okay. Okay, well, we'll let some of y'all play. But, well, you can play running back. You can play linebacker. You can play receiver. You can play quarterback. Well, no, you can't play quarterback. You guys don't have the mental capacity to. Then, oh, you guys can actually play quarterback now. But if you have a couple bad seasons, we're going to kick you to the curb. So then it's going to evolve from there. Then with the hope with the head coaches, right? Well, we're hiring you, but if you have a few bad seasons, we're going to kick you out. Because like the, like the Cardinals with uh, Jamal Wilkes, the man coached one season and they fired him and hired Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? <laughs> but they do it anyway. Because again, and now they're hiring all these young white coaches because how do they, how do they spin it? Oh, well, you know, they're, they're young, they got the analytics, you know, and the owners who aren't really football guys, they can talk to them on that business sense. BS. <laughs> You're moving the goalposts again. That's all it is. Don't give me that. Mm. So that's to me my overall point is as much as we all love football, really the deep, you know, connection with American viewers is it resembles the power structure of America. That's mm-hmm. how it is. And that's what it is. And that's and as long as as long as it resembles that, you're not going to see the change, the overwhelming change that we would like to see. Because again, it's I don't think, and again, not a sound thing, but all we're asking is just for a fair opportunity. At least give me an interview. At least give me a fair shot. Guys like Adam Gase, his claim to fame is coaching Jay Cutler. Are you serious? <laughs> They're like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. You know, Adam Gase, he coached Jay Cutler, and Jay Cutler raves about him. I don't give a flying F what <laughs> Jay Cutler did. So that's your claim to fame? Jay Cutler was Bonds, too. <laughs> And they that's kind of one and a half good seasons, and that was another. Right, the fact that like, Jake come Hunter on, man, speak high of him, but you have somebody like Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes that speak high of uh, Eric Bieniemy, and then they're just like, "Well, okay." Like, wait, we're talking about one, arguably one of the best QBs and best coaches in in the NFL now, and going along this um, this path possibly ever. And you're just looking at them like, okay, and hmm. that's the other, and that's the other biases that are in there too. Because, and I, and again, it's not Andy Reid's fault, but even we watch Sports Center today, you watch Fox Sports today, right? Oh man, Andy Andy Reid, man, that was that was some great play call. I thought Eric Enemy calls the plays, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what Patrick Mahomes says? Isn't that, that what Andy Reid says? That's what he everybody keeps saying. Oh yeah. Andy Reid, man, he's dialing up them plays. Tony Romo, oh, man, Andy Reid. Tony, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Bieniemy is the one that calls the plays. Like, quit saying that. And I think that that goes into the bias. Because mm-hmm. when he's he goes in interviews, they're like, well, I mean, we like him, but, I mean, Andy Reid's really the one calling the plays. So. The brains of the operation. So. You see what I'm saying? What is he going to be without Andy Reid there? Yeah. That's that's the goalpost they're gonna use with him. Cause they didn't want to find different goalposts. They want to move everybody with, with, with everybody. So but they didn't question Sean McVay, right? Right. 
And again, I think Sean McVay has done a fantastic job. And he has. And he has. But Bro, I ain't never point. heard of Sean McVay before he got to the Rams. I'm not. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's like, oh, yeah, man. He coached, he coached, well, now the Washington football team. He coached Who? Kirk Cousins. Who? And? There's <laughs> your and. And? So, again, he's done a fantastic job. But he's he's an example. Like, y'all he's just an First of all, but, well, he is, but at the same time, like you come up with all these reasons to hire somebody unconventional, but yet you you have guys that have been coaching in the NFL for a while, or even young NFL, you know, black coaches. Yeah. Even in the NBA, they're doing the same thing in the NBA. Like they ain't hired no black coaches in the NBA, no black GMs in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like how? Like really? So out of all these people, none of them are qualified to be coaches or GMs. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. According I to the like NFL, in the, NBA, really they re- in the NBA, they recycle the same coaches. That's like what I Yeah. yeah. Uh, they will be the same, like, two black dudes. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, come I think on, for as, as long as they want, Doc Rivers is probably much, pretty much always going to have a job as long as he wants to coach. Uh, maybe, maybe Ty Lu, I you know, but yeah, I, I agree, like, yeah, but it's that's what I'm saying. But it's the same thing because then the owners, because they like they they keep that's the other little code like racist language they like to use. Oh well, you know the analytics, and then you know they kind of speak the owner's language, and I'm like BS, man. Because y'all like I'm done. I, <laughs> I hear you. I, I was just gonna say I think you you mentioned moving the goalposts, and I think that that's partially because the. The shield of the NFL, I'll speak for the NFL. I don't think that they've quite set real rules. I think it's a, a fuzzy, you know, we would like you to, but the owners, you know, it's a business, it's their business, I get it. But I feel like the NFL, again, putting pressure on Goodell should probably start to think towards making those like real in stone rules where we want to really speak what we are or act what we are speaking and walk the, the walk that we are talking about. Um, and, and again, back to the moving of the goalposts, you had, uh, I, I went back to thinking about like owners that um, are punished. The only one that I can think of was Jerry Richardson, the one from um, the uh, Panthers and the racial uh, issues he had. And that took of, years. It took a while. And that was when they finally slap the guy on the wrist, okay, you got to sell the team. But how many others are acting the same way? I'm sure he had followers. I'm sure he had people that were doing the same as him. I think that this is where, again, and Roger, (laughs) who knows if he's the same way or not, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but I don't see the action of, you know, really pressing down on these owners and, and making them more accountable for the, the looks of their team, you know, because that represents the NFL. But then we have such a short leash on African-American coaches, African-American quarterbacks. We don't quite have the same set in stone rule. It, it just seems like it's just a, I, I don't know. It just, it, double standard. yes, a double standard. Thank you. That's so, the word we use a lot on this show is double standard. Um, no, but it's, a, it's, it's the it's truth. True. But again, like I, I think the, the unfortunate thing is if you look at the structure of how the NFL is, because with Goodell, he works for the owners. Like that's his job. So the only way that can really change is if you had 
ownership that had like an enlightenment of how they want to do things differently in the future. But they'll say that, but they're not going to really make those changes. And of course, like, yeah, like if somebody says something racist and they get caught on tape saying something racist, then yeah, of course, to. all the owners are going to be, oh, no, yeah, yeah, we can't. Oh, no. Because that's because, again, that's the thing, right? Like, because even if you look at presidential campaigns, how the outgoing president got elected the first time. Because you remember when he was saying all the crazy stuff and then all of a sudden he was showing up at black churches? Yes. That was just to let <laughs> the majority white folks make it feel like he's not overtly racist, just right. to put the picture out there. Because mm-hmm. you can't be like overtly racist because that's bad for business. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you just don't want to hear about it. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Y'all can do what you want. I just don't want to see it or hear it so it doesn't exist in my head. Mm-hmm. But really, that's what it is. That's, awesome. that's America. Yeah, these, these organizations are just scared uh, of just losing power, We, as everyone has said. It's like, just factor in this. So you have uh, NFL football that you don't allow African-Americans in. You let them in, what happens? It gets better. Then you just assume, like, honestly, if you think of more than half the things that in America, when... African-Americans got involved, things just got better. So once you get them in higher positions and you see that they're out doing all these other guys, then now they just view it as uh, African-American takeover, which which they don't want. And I feel like their standards is that you get you a white coach and then, you know, they have a bad season or two and then, oh, well, you know, they're developing them. But I feel like whenever you get an African-American coach, they want to set them like, hey, here's Mike Tomlin, mimic that. And it's like, what? (laughs) Like, just imagine if y'all viewed all the white coaches and just set them on a team and said, hey, I want you to mimic what Bill Belichick did. How many people do you think is going to be able to succeed at that? Like, you, I feel like that's where that unfair thing is. It's just like, oh, this guy had one bad season with uh, a team that wasn't even built to win in the first place. And then you're just like, well, I feel like Mike Tomlin would have been able to do something. So you're, you're not like him. So we're just going to go ahead and move on, but you want to develop everyone else. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's thing. That's a good thing too. We also talk about context a lot on the show. And so, yeah, if you, if you put a coach in a horrible situation, we just talked about the Texans job. Like, yeah, no, no one's saying, man, I really want to coach the Houston Texans right now. Right. Like, like, no one's saying that. But watch that be the one team. No, watch, the black I guarantee person. you that's going to be the one that has the, the black coach. And be like, yeah, see, we hired a black coach. And then two years later, uh, well, it just wasn't working out. Well, y'all got rid of Deshaun Watson. Like, what you expect? You got rid of all of his weapons in previous years. And now quarterback or Todd Bowles, like they normally do, and be like, well, uh, we gave him a shot. Yeah. Honestly, with the with the remaining teams, they're like with the Texans and the Eagles being remaining both horrible positions to be in. Uh, in our chat, I told you I was like, I don't care who comes in for Philadelphia with their cap situation, the age of their players, and their GM. Whatever coach come in there should have a minimum of five years before they start getting judged. Like after you should give them like three years to be like, you know, see where they're headed. And then from the next two years, then you can be like, okay, now show me what you're, you're made of. Don't sit them in there for two years and be like, yeah, I don't see anything happening. Like, do you not see what 
like you can't give me a, a wrecked porch and tell, tell me to go race it on some highway like now nah, I'm gonna have to do a lot of maintenance on that yeah. <laughs> so like nah because it seemed like the average leash for uh, a black coach is what max three years and you get the average leash of a max. white coach maybe it's five years so like even within those two years like there's a lot that can happen because you're building drafts that you're, 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 you're getting free agents. You're doing this, you know, so there's a lot in this equation and I would be really, one of the things that really makes me upset is, is Eric being me because is the situation around him because one of the things that I don't think these front offices care about enough is proximity to the greatness doesn't always equal greatness. Well, so how many times, how many coaches have been hired from the Bill Belichick tree? How many of them have actually been successful? None. Maybe, maybe two. Could Brian Flores is one for Miami Dolphins? Well, yeah. 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 Hey, they hung him out to dry too. They left him in a nasty situation, bro. Mm-hmm. He made he made lemons lemonade out of poop. For real. And that's why everyone's talking about right now because he did an amazing turnaround of a franchise who was going off the deep end, right? So you have to be like that to get any type of respect in the head coaching you know, arena. How many opportunities does Josh McDaniels got to show you that he's not going to be able to bleach your team? Dude right? left the Colts at the altar. Like he said, <laughs> yes, flew out there, changed his mind, and got a return flight back to Boston, bro. And he's still like, how is he still even like getting interviews? Like, w- let me do that. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be like, are you kidding me? They're gonna be like, oh, he's so unprofessional. So right, so yeah, like, dude, literally, like, left. Like, what? I, it's like man. the bounce back is amazing. Like for Josh McDaniels, I would say maybe Lane Kiffin in a college environment. Like, always yeah. seems to be able to get a job somewhere. He will do something illegal and still be able to get a job the next year. Yep. Steve Sarkeesian too. <laughs> yeah, Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, like, Lane Kiffin. That's another one. I've never seen a dude get so many jobs. Like being like 500. This dude was yeah. at Tennessee, and they were like, "Oh yeah, they went four and three. Let's hire him at USC." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what are you doing?" And, and it's not like he's a nice guy too. Like everybody says, like how rude he is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. even him and Nick, even Nick Saban was like, "Dude, like I know I'm mean, but you need to go kick rocks, bro." <laughs> like that's Nick Saban. And he's still getting jobs. Like, are you like, dude? You get a coach like Herm Edwards who leaves coaching for I don't know how many years, becomes an analyst, comes back to Arizona State, and is able to make them at least a a decent team, a competitive team. When and in college, you know, it's about the recruiting game. We talked about that in a former episode. Like, how many people are like, man, I'm going to Arizona State? Like, no. Nah. Like, you're most likely getting average talent, and hopefully, you can have above average success in college football. And they've been able to achieve that. And this is what, you know, with someone that was out of football coaching for years and years and years. Uh, so I just juxtapose those two things. And I'm like, how, how can both of these things be true? Uh, it, and the thing about Eric Bieniemy is that Andy Reid's coaching tree has proven to be more successful than Bill Belichick's coaching tree. If you just look at who's, who's branched off from those things. And I think it's because the, Belichick and Reid have different styles of how, 
because okay you can have a great leader but they don't really teach you anything not enough for you to go away and implement it so you know things as long as but you're dependent on their presence in order for you to be able to succeed at a top level then you have some people that are like i'm going to teach you so you're not dependent on me so when your opportunity comes you know everything you need to know and the rest you're going to learn along the way along the way that that's andy Reid. Yeah. And it's like, how many times you got to see that? And a lot of the coaches, you know, he's had successful white coaches under Mandy Reed and everything like that. And they've gotten opportunities and done well because mm-hmm. Andy Reed's a good teacher. Mm-hmm. But Eric Bianami, like you want to, and that's without anyone from Andy Reed's coaching, like it, under his uh, coaching supervision, winning the Super Bowl. Because before mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, it was Super Bowl getting beat by the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You got a brother that actually won the Super Bowl and has been competitive, you know, yeah, ever, ever since. And it's just like, why doesn't he get a chance? And I think we have to be very careful, uh, media folks in particular, when we use the term diversity, because that is such a, a broad term. Sometimes it has code language mm-hmm. into it. And sometimes it gives off a, the wrong impression. So Jim Trotter, a long time, um, you know, reporter, you know, talks about, he said, uh, he put out a tweet um, on the January 14th, and he talks about there are different types of diversity. Uh, Adam Schefter, and I think we all love Adam Schefter, he does a great job with the NFL, but he did say that the Rams are one of the most diverse organizations, hmm. right? Now, the Rams have done an excellent job when it comes to, or a really good job, I would say, when it comes to hiring women for their staff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. So that that's a great step because we want to see that too. We want to see that type of progress too. Mm-hmm. But they don't they don't have any people of color around the, you know. So like to call it diverse, I think is very misleading. Interesting. Uh, call it for what it is. They've done a really good job at hiring um, women into their positions, female hires. That's great. But at the end of the day, they have a white owner, a white uh, COO a white GM, a white head coach, a white offensive coordinator, a white defensive coordinator, and a white special teams coach. There you go. So can you really call it diverse the way that diverse is supposed to, you know, like, just think about it like that. Um, And Ryan Clark, I I think Ryan Clark and Natty T would be best friends if they ever met. Uh, So uh, (laughs) he said... I always get fired up about these things. (laughs) We working in corporate, because we working in corporate America, you see, like, how the structure works. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. It's the same. Yeah, thing. it is. It be coming up with all these excuses. But and I work so, at a nonprofit. Yeah. And yeah. So Ryan, yeah, go ahead. Literally tweeted yesterday. He was like, "Hey, y'all, Airbnb is not going to get a job. Mm-hmm. Just going to break it to you before these last two hires, because there's still two two coaching hires, as we mentioned before. So you're not as dumbfounded this year as you were last year, because people were saying, "Hey, he should have got a job last year after winning the Super Bowl." Like, you know, so like those are those things out there. But I think Ryan Clark, to, to you know, to your point, I think he sees that, hey, this is it's not it's not equal. It's not equitable when it comes to this. Like you have to be super high performing and have it sustained over years and years and years to be considered at the same status as someone that maybe had a good year or even a mediocre year or coach Jay Cutler. So like all, all those things you know, put together kind of to speak some of the discrepancies that we have, because honestly, Eric Bieniemy's resume 
is better than a lot of these people that are getting head coaching jobs in the NFL. A lot of these other guys. It's not not to say that they they don't deserve a head coaching job, but when we look at if you're a team that really wants to win and you're prioritizing people and you're able to pick up the next new hot, you know, white coach, well, what about the next new hot black coach? Because they're out there too. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's that's funny that you EB situation reminds me of Larry Johnson at Ohio State. Only because everybody knows who Larry Johnson is. Larry Johnson is certified, okay? When it comes to D-linemen and you want to develop D-linemen, you come to Ohio State because of Larry Johnson. Like, that's not there's no if ands, or buts about it. Everybody knows what the deal is. The only reason people go to Bama is because Bama gets man-children. Like, absurd. <laughs> you they go to the NFL. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, like, everybody know what Bama is about. Yeah, everybody knows what it is. Skillful, tactful, um, fundamentally sound individuals, you go to Ohio State because of Larry Johnson via the Bosa brothers, via Chase Young, via Michael Bennett, all them guys, all NFL pros, all playing at a high level right now. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State, granted, Larry Johnson probably is in a comfortable position where Ohio State's paying him whatever dollar amount he says. But Larry Johnson should have been, as soon as Urban Meyer left, my opinion, Larry Johnson should have been the first in interview to be the head coach of the Ohio State University. Why? Because his resume speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the same with EB. EB, his resume speaks for itself. Everybody knows, like, EB does what he does. They just ignore it. Same with Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson is the assistant head coach. Like, when Ryan Day was out for COVID, guess who was coaching him? Guess who won the game? Guess whose defense dominated Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. But you nobody know really, won't hire no African-American coach, man. I mean, they not. But <laughs> like, even, not. even getting interviews from, like, other people, you don't really hear about Larry Johnson getting an interview. You know, yeah, I mean, even for a D.C. position, you don't hear about Larry Johnson getting an interview, probably because they're paying him whatever he wants. But I'm just saying the same thing goes for that as well. Is like yeah. you never – like, Larry Johnson's resume is far beyond anybody I, you could think of. So with the players he's developed and sent to the NFL, and it's kind of like, well, EB and Larry Johnson feel like I feel like they are in the same exact boat right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I just... like that, that's what I'm saying, man. Because even like, because the the uh, it's not a head coaching position, but the the Seahawks because they're looking at um, Kansas City's uh, quarterback coach. Yeah, like Keefe or whatever his name is. Yes. Here, here, here they go. Oh yeah, you know. He's responsible for developing Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so Eric Bieniemy is not responsible for that too. So y'all <laughs> want to use that for that, and then use that point for him, so he can get a coordinator job. But you can't use that same point for Bieniemy to get a head coaching job. Right. I don't understand. Yeah, and he was the coordinator. He works for him. Yes, yes. And uh, <laughs> just just read just... a headline that released earlier today that the Texans are about to interview Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> I got a statement slash question for y'all. So uh, this is all in, in lines of Eric the enemy. So he, he has been getting interviews this time around. He interviewed with Philly uh, now with the Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so what I'm curious about is that uh, I, before the, the podcast started, I was telling them that uh, right now Josh McDaniels is looking like a high priority for the Eagles, um, which leaves one coaching position left if they really want to pull the trigger on McDaniels. Um, so Deshaun Watson's problem was that he wanted – more say they said hey we'll we'll give you more say things that's going on around here you know you're a franchise quarterback and then they didn't uphold him on that if do you feel like Eric the enemy will kind of be like a scapegoat more so of like hey I got you this this African-American coach you think you want to stay now or do you think it'll be something they will be like hey we want to give you the job because you deserve it no it's a pawn Yes, yeah, because, sure. because he and and the thing, at least according to the reports, because Deshaun Watson, he just asked him, he's like, "Hey, why don't you guys interview Eric Bieniemy?" They're like, "No." So it's so only like, now you're going to interview him. Yep, he's mm-hmm. a pawn. And I think Eric Bieniemy knows that too, so he's probably not even going to take the job regardless because he's he knows what it is. Like he's like, "Well, Watson wanted me in the first place, right?" But Watson wants to get traded. You guys want to interview? And you really might not even give me the job. You just want to say you interview. Mm-hmm. So he's Watson and the enemy already know what it is. Like when it comes to black people, we know the game. Like we ain't. But why would he take the interview then? Like if he felt as though like he'll be a, a pawn, why would he be like, okay, well, I'm because because he knows. And if he's right, because he knows. Because again, here go here go the other goalposts now. So if he rejects <laughs> that interview, they're going oh, to yes. say, oh. There's only 32 jobs. You don't even want to interview for the job. Then they're going to use that as a knock against him. So he's a, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you want to know what sucks is that we. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're going to say. That we have to like we think with common sense, but we have to put the extra mile just so we don't look bad. Like common sense is just like, hey, we're not just going to do this because I know I'm a pawn, but hey, I have to do this because then they're just going to look at us and like, oh, they're not even trying to accept interviews when we get See, it. Exactly, exactly. Because with him, it's going to be that. But then if somebody else, they're going to be like, well, that was a smart decision. It really wasn't <laughs> a good job. Like, dude, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I It just boggles my mind. I'm like, I mean, and, and it's not to say, and so for those of you listening, don't get it twisted. Like, there, it's not like, there aren't talented white position coaches that deserve to be head coaches that haven't worked their butt off as well. So this is not a question of work ethic. This is not uh, a question of deserving a shot to see what it is. But when you see that so um, unequitably distributed, it, it raises these other questions in mind. And that's what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. It's not to say like this person has to get the job because, it, but it's like, well, look who's getting jobs and who's not. And if we put their resumes next to each other, there's some questions we have about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so looking at Arthur Smith, so that he got the Falcons head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Now he was offensive coordinator. Yeah, so no one knew who Arthur Smith was, you know, so he, for those who don't know, he he's he was the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I mean, so I mean, you look at that and, and, and you put that resume next to Bienemy and some others, and you're just kind of like, well, really? Like that's that's you didn't even give the Bienemy a chance to talk about 
uh, you See, know. That, but that's but and again, but what do they bring up with him? Oh, you know, Tannehill has made this big turnaround. So Eric Bieniemy, who coaches Patrick Mahomes, he gets no credit for that. And remember okay. when when the the Philly vacancy happened, and I told you I was like I would my top two choices would be uh, Arthur Smith or Pet Hamilton, and you know that's a name that's getting overlooked. Who worked with mm -hmm. Andrew Luck and currently working with Justin Herbert and it's just like that, that's another black coach that's proven that came from the offensive coordinating position that's getting overlooked and that's a great point because in Oregon we were we're surprised at Justin Herbert's success because Oregon doesn't do an excellent job of developing their quarterbacks there right so when when they when he got was at the Rose Bowl that Oregon was in they played in and Justin Herbert kind of went off and had a good game Everybody was like, oh, oh, okay. But then everyone was like, ah, is this going to translate to the NFL? He runs a lot and everything like that. You get someone and invest in developing his arm with the raw talent that he already has, you get, hey, there's no question this guy is our, is our future quarterback. And now we're going to build around him. But the guy who developed him doesn't get yeah, I ain't hear pet names once. That's a perfect example. And again, I'm not saying he would be as good as Sean McVay, but he basically, because he's he's because he's what he's 45, 46. I know Sean McVay's younger, but Sean McVay coached uh Kirk Cousins for two seasons. He does average, and they're like, Oh man, this man, this is great. What <laughs> again? He's done great, he's done fantastic. But if that's a good enough reason to hire him, like you have a guy, Pep Hamilton, who coached up Justin Herbert, who's going to win rookie of the year. Everybody's buzzing about, but, well, eh, I don't know. He doesn't have enough experience. And he coached up the, the number one draft because he was with Andrew Luck at Stanford before he ended up right. in yeah. So it's just right. like, I coached up exactly. the number one. He came in the league balling and nobody wants to talk to him. Nobody wants to talk to no, him. Like, I prepared a guy for the NFL and per currently preparing another guy while he's in the NFL. Right. And you're still not, I can't get an interview. Like, yeah, like that's. That's what I'm saying. They're going, to, they're going to pick holes where they want to pick holes and say, oh, well, he hasn't really done it at a high level. Uh, what was his record? That's but the same with other QB. guys. Yeah, they're going to just that's bring the same up. With QBs. They just pick yeah. holes. Dwayne yeah. Harris had never really had a chance because Ron Rivera never wanted him. The organization just picked him because he was a hometown kid and the owner wanted him. He really never had a chance. And, I mean, I hope he gets another chance. Granted, he messed up. But, like, it's not like he was out here uh, not trying to throw shade at anybody's organization. I know we got some Steelers fans. <laughs> but Big Ben was, I mean, he was, like, they threw it under the bus, but he was almost, like, in trouble for rape. And you don't hear nothing about that. You don't hear you nothing don't, about that. I promise you, you don't hear nothing about that. He got That's in trouble for rape, but you getting on the man because he wanted to go in the club. Granted, it's during a pandemic, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. It's not, it's not rape. Put it like that. Yeah. But Big Ben's got a job. The leash. It's a talent. It's a talent. God forbid, Kobe Bryant's body ain't even cooled down yet. They was bringing up the whole Denver, Colorado yes. thing. You didn't hear nothing about Ben Roethlisberger. I was like, bro, let the man cool off. Yeah. Yes. The yes. leash. The leash is is much smaller when it comes to an African American man. This is always. It's always. Just like just like with the LeBron thing, shut up and dribble. But then 
Breeze. I'm like, oh, he's just stating his opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about? about? It's because you agree with his opinion, so he's a, he, his opinion's valid. He's allowed to. Yo, they got on Obama for wearing a tan suit to a press conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ronald Reagan wore the same color suit in the 80s. And y'all ain't mm-hmm. say nothing. Yeah, Kamala Harris. That you know, she she can't wear chucks and have have her sororities colors in the background without getting mm-hmm. scrutinized. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the way people try to uh, have ownership and dictate what people wear, what is seen as professional and not professional, like who comes up with that stuff? And 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 it's hard on black people, and it's it's, it's hard on women too. And she's both. Kamala mm-hmm. Harris, both bringing both of those identities. It's like we care more about what people wear than what they actually going to do. So mm-hmm. like. That's what we should be. We should be focused on. But yeah, even with her in the debates, it was like, oh, you know, she's so aggressive. I'm like, <laughs> what? But Trump wasn't. Right, like yeah, yeah. But Trump's not aggressive, like right. And then all the other female candidates are like, oh yeah, you know, they're, just, they're so nurturing and that, mm-hmm. nurturing, nurturing. Like nurturing ain't gonna get the job done. You should yeah. want to be president of the United States. Where's she gonna nurture? That's right. That's where. Boss meets bossy, right? As far as <laughs> interpret things. So if, if a man does it, it's safe to say the same thing. You know, is a boss, he's very direct, he's very decisive. Woman does it, she's bossy, which has a completely different context. Well, black woman. That. Yeah, black woman, especially. <laughs> especially. I got, I got a last question for y'all. And I know we was going off topic with the politics and everything, but just to bring it back so we can just, you know, get off here. Yeah. I know everybody got things to do. Um, so draft coming up and this is the black QB thing. Um, there's two black quarterbacks, um, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. All right. Mm -hmm. And just from seeing like what the analysts have said, um, I don't pay attention to Mel Kuyper or Todd Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Not credible at all. Um, after they said uh, Deshaun Watson should not be the first quarterback off the board, I was just like, I'm "Yeah, good. I was like, yeah, yeah, his resume speaks for itself." But I'm just looking at these two. All right, um, they're saying I think Fields is three when he was two, and Trevor Lawrence is unanimous number one. Even though I think Trevor Lawrence is a fraud, um, and I can debate that with anybody. I'll debate that happily. Um, and then the second QB is Zach Wilson from BYU. BYU, right. Don't know how he got there, but we'll, whatever. Um, And then Trey Lance is like somewhere along the line because he didn't get to really play this year because of COVID and everything. That's not his fault. But Justin Fields outperformed the best QB since like Jesus walked the earth, allegedly. Um, And twice, by the way. And then Ray Lance really has never lost a game since he's been in a collegiate athlete. And I'm trying to figure out um, why is there a stigma towards the black quarterbacks that we have in this draft class? Because I'm not understanding it. Because what the eye test tells me is that there's not a big gap between Trevor Lawrence and these guys as well. Regardless of how you want to order them, the gap isn't that big because Trevor Lawrence has had more talent, but he still comes up small in the biggest moments if we've really paid attention. Like, we're not going to give him an excuse because Joe Burrow was hot last time I checked. Trevor Lawrence was still in the game, and he got blew out. 
So I'm trying to figure out why is it when one, let's say, Fields has a bad game, we're going to drop him mm-hmm. um, virtually out of the top 10 when they said he was supposed to be second overall. Um, we're going to drop him and then Trey Lance as well when his resume speaks for itself. Why are we dropping them? But Trevor Lawrence can play mediocre throughout. He might have one or two games in the season where he's just flat out mediocre. But it, we always ignore those. And we're like, oh, he's just – his potential is off the roof, da 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 I'm trying to figure out why. Why Why is that the narrative that we're sticking by? And guys aren't – in the media aren't checking them, like Stephen A. and the Ryan Clarks and um, the guys that really have a voice and have played the game, like Dominique Foxworth and stuff like that. I think, well, personally, I think with Trevor Lawrence, I think he just fits the that typical all-American profile. He has a, he has a little sunshine haircut. Yeah, remember the tight end. Just a side note, what's interesting about that profile? Sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, no, no. Guys, guys over 6'4 really don't have successful careers as quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm. Just I, think about all the guys that have been tall – but you can't really give me a quarterback that's been like 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". And I think Trevor Lawrence is about 6'6"-ish. 6'5", 6'6". And guys like that haven't had the greatest career in the NFL, but they're not talking about that. It's just like, oh, Trevor Lawrence is a stereotypical All-American guy. That's, so, but, that's, but that's what they keep saying. That's code for they, they, like, they, they just like the look of them mm-hmm. themselves. Because it's going to, it's still the NFL. Because I think over the past, what, let's say 10 years, I mean, you've had, I mean, you had Cam Newton as the draft number one. You had Kyler Murray. I mean, you have a lot of black quarterbacks that have come up. I mean, Deshaun Watson, but it's still never going to trump when you get that one Larry Bird, great white hope looking dude. <laughs> if, if that if that person comes along, it don't matter. It, I don't care how good that dude looks. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's why they was hoping he would go to New York because it was like that's just gonna sell. Because again, like like your point, Trey Lance, like even though he didn't play this year, you could say the same thing about Carson Wentz. He was hurt his senior year. Mm-hmm. It went everything off of his junior year. Like oh yeah, yeah, this guy. Oh man, great. Mm-hmm. But they ain't gonna knock this kid because because of the Trevor Lawrence. That's like the trickle down effect of Trevor Lawrence. You see, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. Mm. So Jay, go ahead. What you got? What you got to say, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not as well versed in the college sports world, so I'm learning a lot more than I am uh, able to contribute. Um, but I was going to just think about one thing. I don't know if this matters to you guys. I was thinking about while you guys were talking. Uh, at least one accomplishment that I have seen. I guess I'm more of the optimist here, and that is the. Um, the NFL's awareness when it comes to their refs staff. Um, you know, they had that one particular game where they actually had an all black staff um, that ref the game. And, you know, that's something I see progress towards. I would hope that there's more, like I said, in other areas besides, you know, our, our referees. But um, as far as the, the college sports, honestly, you guys are the ones that <laughs> seem to have the world of knowledge here. Oh, then Coach Murph, go ahead. Well, I, I was with the with the ref thing. I mean, yeah, that's a, a good accomplishment, I guess. But 
I, I feel as though that's one of those things where them starting small in, in terms of like, hey, we, we just made this black guy chief of the janitorial staff. Like, <laughs> look at us, look at us improving. Like that we, we want those those positions that uh you know that are true like head roles. Um, but I mean, as it is for college, I mean, I've said it from jump, even when Trevor Lawrence won his first national championship, I feel as though he is overrated. Um, like he riding those <laughs> coattails all the way up there. <laughs> yeah, like don't get me wrong, like he he is a good QB. Like, I'm not gonna take that away from him, but like he's not all not like the sec they're talking like he's the second coming of Brady, like, oh, he's just like can't miss no matter where you put him, but no, <laughs> yeah, you can say he's like he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck or John Elway. Wait, but if you go off of tape, like there's no, I wouldn't ever use Trevor Lawrence in the same breath of Andrew Luck when he was at Stafford. Like he was lighting stuff up. Like you can tell he was the X factor. Where and Clemson, they just have a great team all around. I wouldn't even put him ahead of Deshaun Watson if I'm being one thousand with you. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, you saw what Deshaun Watson did to Alabama twice, back-to-back national championship. Dude threw for over 1,000 yards. (laughs) Like, come on, dude. Miss me with Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I think he's good, but, like, stop it, man. Y'all in love with this dude's hair and (laughs) lies and all that other nonsense. So, I mean, that's that's all I have to say about it, really. I mean, that – he, I don't think he's as good as everybody is portraying him to be. I mean, I'm not wishing for his downfall, but I'm pretty sure that it's gonna, it, it, he's gonna smack a lot of people in the face where they're just like, oh, I guess we were wrong. But yeah. um, he, he's just not that good. <laughs> he's not, he's not NFL good to me. Yeah, I. I agree with with a lot of your sentiments. I yeah, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a is a can't miss pick. I think there's still opportunity that he doesn't rise to the standards that people are placing on him. I know there's always pressure being put on quarterbacks and everything like that, but I don't I don't see him in the same like you said in the same breath as some of these other guys that have come out black and white. You know, like so like I, I just uh, but especially uh, I think the Carson Wentz one when you mentioned Coach Natty T, I was like, yeah, it's a good one because he was hurt. Yeah, last year, and to your point, Coach Pace with Trey, I was like, "Yeah, that that's a good." Yeah, company. they was talking, all that whole time with his drive. They was talking about his junior year. It's like, oh yeah, his junior year, and dude was hurt. But yeah. then y'all gonna punish him because oh, we just don't have enough tape. What do you mean you don't have enough tape? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think that's where ultimately the success is going to come into play if you have an organization who believes in you and is willing to develop you. We've seen that. Nine out of ten times, any quarterback's gonna be able to be have some type of success in there. Uh, and then I, you know, going back to the great Roman comments I made earlier, I think that is a lot of people. Okay, to be completely objective, a lot of people praise Greg Roman, right? Right? You're just like who we give credit. Okay, so like they praise Greg Roman for saying, "Oh, here he goes again, another brilliant, you know, system." He he managed Collar Kaepernick's and, and the 49ers system. Now he's doing the same thing for Lamar Jackson. There were a few analysts to their credit that were like, I that's good, but I don't think that's sustainable. Mm. Because that's ultimately doing him a disservice. Mm. Right? Yes, you should play to your quarterback strengths, regardless of who they are, 
regardless of what they look like and regardless of what their skill set is, you should play to their strengths, right? Let's surround them with some talent. But if you want Lamar Jackson to be a better passer, who are you throwing the ball to? Mm. Yeah. Who? Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown? Now, Mark Andrews is a good tight end, but like I'm talking like down the field, you know, you're talking about <laughs> receivers. Like, who, who are you throwing the ball to? So it's like you have to be able to challenge your quarterback in a way that's going to encourage him to grow. So Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, they have people earlier on in their mm-hmm. football careers that push them to say, hey, your legs are going to be great and it's going to get you out of a lot of gyms and it's going to be it's going to be super hard to defend you. We want to make sure we surround you with talent so you know you get the, get the ball to people, to the right people, mm-hmm. and how to do it. And I think in college, Lamar put up some great stats in college, though. But, I, you know, going into the NFL, transitioning to the NFL, he hasn't had that type of development. And so then people are like, well, yeah, I told you, you know, the black quarterback, you know, there's there, there may be a few outliers. So now people are looking at Russell Wilson, Donovan McNabb, and stuff mm-hmm. as outliers. And it's like, no, they have. They had a, a, a system that looked at their skill set and said, okay, we're going to work with this, but we're also going to push you some. There's going to be some growing pains. So for the first couple of years, Russell Wilson, we're going to get you a bomb defense. Mm-hmm. So you can grow and you can make mistakes and it's not going to cost us the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're going to get you a great running back and Marshawn Lynch. So people know not to, they don't have to focus on you. They have to respect the run too. That mm-hmm. gives you some grace to learn along the way mm-hmm. and not everyone is afforded that grace unfortunately and then when it comes to black quarterbacks then when they're not afforded that grace then there's like well I told you about those black quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, and so that's it same thing as coaches and everything else I think it's, it's a line I'm just really happy to see people getting the credit they deserve you look at some of the best quarterbacks in the league several of them are black and it's just nice to be able to see that to where Doug Williams had to fight to get into his position in battle racism. And then even people before then who were just as talented didn't even get the opportunity. Um, so um, we'll go ahead and, and by, can we get Lewis Riddick a job? Yeah. We started, like, bro. We're about to get started. That's an episode. Why is he still at ESPN? That's an episode. <laughs> he's running somebody's team. Like, that's an episode in itself, bro. I told y'all weeks ago he can have Howie's job. <laughs> here go and then here go here go the last ghost po- go post with him. Oh, he's just been out the game too long. Uh, what? So wh- whatever, man. But y'all gonna let John Gruden get in there? <laughs> hey, signed hey. a ten-year deal though. Ten That's year, the ten-year, a hundred million. Hundred million. And he ain't been in the league for twenty years. <laughs> exactly. So you what? Him the job. There's times where other other coaches been out the game for a minute. In the NBA, we saw it, and I no, not trying to malign Stan Van Gundy or anything like that. Just but just saying, like, you could be out the game in basketball too, and they still don't hire black. You know, so it's like, oh, it's, oh, Stan Van Gundy's interested. Okay, cool. You know, we're gonna hire him. And people are like, what? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Well, you just skipped over a bunch of other people that would have been qualified for this as well. But, I, I just it just boggles my mind every year he gets interviewed by all these teams and no one has pulled the trigger. But yet when you hear him on TV, it's like it should be a no-brainer, right? It's like he's literally telling organizations what they need to do. 
He's literally telling them. It's like, you're getting advice for free because he's on ESPN. Pay that man so he can do that for you full time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, just mind boggling. No. So, you know, it, you know, we talked about this being on MLK Day as we close here. Uh, and so, you know, the coach's box is going to be one of those places where we're just going to say what's on our minds, what's on our hearts. Um, but we, you know, we have evidence, you know, there's track records here and we want to say things and not dance around what's, what's going on. Uh, but ultimately, this comes down to respect, um, advocacy and love. And so for all three of those words, there's actions. Those are action words. They may not be categorized as verbs, but they're action words. So it's like if you're saying that these lives matter, that we respect you equally and equitably and everything like that then where is that in the course of your actions? Because that ultimately tells us where you stand. Hmm. And so uh, that's what Dr. King and many others, their legacy was about. Hmm. And often we see folks of color show humanity that's not reciprocated back to them. Hmm. Um, But we have to take an interview anyway because we don't want to be blackballed for not taking an interview with the Houston Texans. So... (laughs) I, you know, so that, that, that's, I'm going to leave us with that note. Um, on behalf of all the coaches, I'm your host, Coach JP3. I thank Coach Murph, Coach Pace, Coach Jay, and Coach Natty T for joining us on a special episode. You know, have a wonderful day. Um, love, respect, advocate, and, 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 and educate yourself on a lot of these things. Um, mm-hmm. If you like what you heard today, please hit us up at the Coaches Box podcast with underscores between each of the words we're also on youtube the coaches box we'll be putting segments from each of our shows up on there follow us add us and say hey if we want something on the show let's talk about because you're going to get real talk here so if you want to talk about something we'd be more than happy to do that for y'all all All right peace y'all